Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. The scripture this morning might threaten us a little bit. Maybe you remember a time when the preachers were very tough and they will tell the audience that it is either heaven or hell. And uh, they will tell the people that if they don't comply with the principle of God's word, they will die. They will be burned in hell. I don't think that uh, this part of the truth should be taken away from our preaching. I think we should live it just as it is in the Word of God and learn something about God's character which we might not understand first time and we need to understand. So let's read again the scripture for this morning which is found in Matthew chapter 24 from verse 45. If you have a New King James Version, that will help me more because I have this version with me. So Matthew chapter 24 from verse 45. Thank you. Who is then, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his master made ruler over his household? To give them food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master, when he comes, will find so doing. Assuredly, I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying in his coming, and begins to beat his fellow servants, and to eat and drink with the drunkards, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at the hour, an hour that he is not aware of and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. I would make the first statement. God is not interested in burning his children, in destroying and killing. This is not God's specialty. God is always looking for ways to save. God doesn't have any pleasure in the death of the most wicked man in the world. God longs that that wicked, the most wicked one, will understand his goodness, his love and mercy, and will turn back to the Lord. God has never, has never had any pleasure in making his children suffer. On the contrary, just as you as a good parent, you suffer with your child. You like to take the pain. You like to do something to alleviate. God has done even more. So this part of the scripture 
as true as it is, doesn't describe the whole character of God. And I'd like you to not be afraid of this part and not try to be a good Christian because of this part. Okay? Yes, there is a hell. Yes, there is punishment. Yes, there is a judgment. And God will judge every human being according to the truth and according to the decisions that and the choices that human being has ever made. God will honor our choices, our decisions. At the same time, we should be afraid of playing with sin. We should be afraid of postponing the day of our repentance. We should be afraid to live a day without God. We should be afraid to get out in this world, which is so unpredictable, without the sense of God's presence with us. We should be afraid to live without prayer. We should be afraid to live without the word of God. And we should be afraid without fulfilling the mission God has given us. Let's bow heads for a short prayer. Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning with the deepest desire to not only preach or to listen, but to have an encounter with the Lord. I cannot mediate this encounter, Father. Even if you make me a holy, holy and perfect human being, I still cannot mediate your presence. That is something only your Holy Spirit can do. But I would like to be your instrument. And I would like each and every one this morning to be open to your word, to be open to your call, and to receive the blessings you have prepared for us. Lord, I feel deep down in my heart a need for something different. Something which will make saving grace a real saving grace church. And I beg your mercy, your grace and your spirit upon my heart and upon the hearts of my brethren here. So that under your leadership, under your guidance, we may become what you have destined us to become. The Church of Christ, ready, prepared for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray it in his holy name. Amen. Now, the, the Bible is clear. Verse 45 again. There are faithful servants and there are wicked servants, unfaithful servants. The one who is faithful is fulfilling the will of the master. So God has a plan for each of us and we need to know his plan because we don't want to waste our entire life doing something which is not part of God's plan. We must understand what is God's call 
for me. God's call for you. And be about your heavenly father's business all the time. You don't have time for other things. You are about God's business. You don't waste time. You don't waste energies. You don't waste opportunities. You don't waste blessings. But everything you do, you use for his glory. Now, there is something connected to, to the evil servant. Verse 48. But if that evil servant says in his heart, my master is delaying in his coming and begins to mistreat his brothers, his sisters, other fellow servants, and eat and drunk, drink and eat with, you know, the, the evil people. That master, the master of that servant will come when he's not ready, not, not prepared. Hear the word eat and drink. Can be, take, can be taken literally, but at the same time, I believe, has a very spiritual uh, connotation. It's like when you eat and drink with somebody, you share. You spend the best of your time with that person. And it's maybe some of the most beautiful time. When we have guests, what is the most beautiful time when the guests come to our home? We have a table prepared and we eat and we drink and we speak and we share and we you know we we enjoy uh, the the moment this servant apparently he has time to share with other people but not in the master's business he will eat and drink he will have a good time but not Fulfilling the mission the Lord has invited him to. We come to a general application. As you see, the, the passage says that this servant, this person who symbolizes a great category of others, is not ready for the coming of his Lord. is not prepared for the coming of his Lord. And in his sharing, in his good time with others, he doesn't even mention about that. So one of the characteristics of faithful servant, he is looking ahead to the coming of his Lord. The Seventh-day Adventist church should be filled with this category of servants because even the name we have contains the hope that Jesus is coming soon. We wait for him. We prepare for him. We must be ready for his coming. And friends, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is the most wonderful news ever. There is not, nothing greater than that because the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ will put an end to sin, to suffering, to the evil one, to, uh, to sickness, to tears, and to death. It is the moment when the true life, the eternal life, becomes 100% real for the faithful ones. So 
in this sense, every activity we have, every service we have, every relationship we have, everything we do in our spiritual life should be connected to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should ask each other, are you prepared, Brother Brian? How much you long for the coming of our Lord, Sister Leibold? What about you, Sister Michelle? Do you feel you are prepared? Do you feel you have completed the mission the Lord has given? Do you feel you have helped others to be ready? We must preach about that, but we must live the truth about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ every day. We mentioned the other day about more than 200 young people who died in Brazil in a nightclub. Were they prepared? No. And when these tragedies strike, are people prepared? The majority of people are not. Even in the Seventh-day Adventist Church, I believe, not every member is prepared for the coming of our Lord. Why this news, this most wonderful news, disappears, disappears from the heart sometimes? Why sometimes we are about so much business that the coming of our Lord is not the final objective, the final goal? So, as a faithful servant you want to be. There is a question that can help you to describe the reality in your life. Am I prepared for the coming of my, of my, of my Lord? Do I long for the coming of Jesus more than for the next day in my life? Do I have the passion to tell others that Jesus is coming, and do I go there and tell them, am I ready? Are all my sins confessed? Are all my sins forgiven? Am I ready? The other day, I heard about, I heard about this Elder of the church. He was elder of that small church for many years, maybe more than 30, 40 years. And the story is told about this great evangelist whom I know, whom I met even about three weeks ago. He says that when he was a small kid, practically how the gospel came to his family. They were about four kids at that time. And this elder of the church was coming to his mom and said, you know, if you want milk, you don't come on Sabbath because on Sabbath I go to church and I don't sell anything. You come on Sunday. But why do you go to church on Sabbath? The mother, the, the mother of the pastor asked. And he 
told them about his faith. And he said, what about coming with me tomorrow? She didn't even have the courage to tell him that she has four kids and to get to the church, they were about to walk more than two miles. And uh, the oldest kid was about four years, four or five years. So he said, you know what? I will help you. So he would come and carry the kids to the church for years. And that family eventually had nine kids. Yeah. <laughs> the lady, the lady was not, she, she could not even read. That was the level of her education. But she had a heart for the Lord. And she learned to read on the Bible. The pastor told me, he told us, he said, if you give my mom another book, she will not understand. But when she holds her Bible, she'll read the word of God. To make the long story short, this elder was preaching with such enthusiasm about the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ all those years. Practically, the, the kids said he was the only preacher in the church. The pastor would come very, very rare because he had 20 churches maybe. So he would come like maybe every other three or four or six months. So this preacher, the elder, was the preacher. Now, he was a wonderful preacher. The kids said that when he was preaching about the coming of the Lord Jesus, he was like almost seeing Jesus coming. So the man was sincere. He believed and he had the drive. Now years pass by. The elder is old. He cannot even see. He lost his sight. And one of the nine kids became a great man of God. A great man of God. One day he returned to his village where he was born. And the people from the small church said, you know, what about going and visiting the elder? I said, let's go. The elder was so happy to, to see this young man, a preacher of the gospel. And he said, you are a man of God. You are a preacher of the gospel, yes. And you don't lie, right? No, I don't lie. I know preachers don't lie. I would like to ask you a question. And I, I, I'm reminding you, and I trust you. I trust your word. Tell me. Is Jesus coming or not? But tell me the truth. What do you believe? What do you think? The young pastor was so shocked and touched at the same time. He remembered all those years, how this great elder would preach about the coming of the Lord, would preach about the coming of the Lord, the, the necessity to be ready, to be ready every moment because he might come in the morning, he might come in the night, he might come in the evening. You don't know when he's coming, so be ready. 
And after so many years, because Jesus had not come, he is wondering whether that will ever happen. Friends, it might happen with each and every one of us after a long time of waiting. It might happen when we become tired. It might happen when the things don't work the way we want. It might happen when we fail in life, when we don't have results in our Christian life. It might happen, but the truth is, He is coming. Whether somebody believes or not, He is coming. Almost all the signs He mentioned in the Bible have been fulfilled. So somebody saw this thousands of years before. And the prophet would say, these are the signs. And these are the signs. And these are the signs. And if you take the Bible and you look around, you see the signs have been fulfilled. And not too many are fulfilling just under our eyes. To lose the hope in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ means that you lose the reason for your existence as a Christian. If we do not have this home hope, why should we work for? What should we tell people about? What are we different? How are, are we different from other people? As a Christian, as a pastor of the gospel, as a member of this church, we must, by the grace of God, find the ways the Lord has put there for us to revive this faith. To revive this faith in the coming of our Lord. To sing about that. To pray about that. To speak about that. To study about that. To imagine about that. So that no matter what's going on in the world, we are still marching, marching to Zion. I have a burden on my heart. I have been your pastor for a number of years now. And uh, I thank you for your love. And I love you. I love you from the bottom of my heart. Along with my wife, we love you. And I don't see any, any motive of sadness. I enjoy, and you have been with me in the darkest hours of my life. So, why should I be sad? I should be happy and go on and on and on. But I have a sadness. I feel you have not arrived to where the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is burning, is burning, is burning in a way that you, you are really the saving grace church. I feel that something must happen. I feel that one day the Lord would call me and say, give me an account of your ministry. 
And now I'm opening my heart to you. What is my ministry about? What should I do in Seven Grace Church? What shall I do to be a faithful servant? To preach on Sabbath morning? It does, I think that's good, but I think many people from this congregation can preach on Sabbath morning. You understand? The elders can preach. The Sabbath school teachers can preach. It might be that every one of you might give a sermon from time to time. To pray with you? That's good. That's wonderful. But I think everyone can pray with anyone else. To visit you when you are in need or when you have a desire? I think that's wonderful. But anybody can visit anybody else. To have a board meeting and to, you know, to think, to make some plans for the church? Believe me, you are the smartest church I have ever had. No, no, I'm not kidding. The level of education and the level of education, you can have a board meeting without me. It's not a must that I, I be there. So what is my mission? To preach every Sabbath? To bless it, to bring the best message, to, to, to put you on fire and go. Come again. Preach a message and go. Friends, I feel this is maybe 5-7% of my responsibility. So now the sermon is for me. For a while I'm preaching to myself. What are the characteristics of a faithful servant who is a preacher of the gospel. And I would like to mention three main characteristics. But after I present something from the word of God. God is interested in all of us and in every part of our being. We are body, we are mind, we are emotions, we are, have a spiritual part, we have a social part. God wants to be present in our life in every dimension, physical, mental, Emotional, spiritual, and social. As we experience his love, as we experience a real connection with him, we grow in our relationship with him and we grow in all these dimensions. We grow mentally. We grow and become healthy emotionally. We grow socially because we know how to interact with each other. We grow spiritually. We grow. We grow and we grow. There is a word which we might not like, but is important, tremendously important, which 
means that you are not connected to the Lord from time to time, but you are in a relationship that really produces this growth permanently, and that's discipleship. Discipleship is different from everything else. If you are a master, oh no, I think most of us have been disciples in, in life at, at least sometime in our lives. What was our job description? What were we doing as disciples? We are looking to our master. We are listening to our master. We were paying attention to see how he or she does it. We were asking him or he or her to give us the opportunity to do a little bit, to practice. And we, we have been given a little job to do it on ourselves. And we would come back to ask feedback and so on and so forth. A disciple or discipleship means a relationship in which Christ is real. And we learn from him by looking to him, by listening to him, by paying attention to the way he does it, by receiving a little job, by asking his help and his feedback. And these are the main points of the presentation now. It begins with a call. First, Jesus called the disciples to come and see him. Let's read that in, the, in John chapter, first, chapter 1, from verse 39, 39 and, and, and 46. Okay, thank you. He said to, to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. And the uh, 40, 46. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and. This is one step clear. In the time of Jesus, in order to become a man of God or a woman of God. In order to become a, a candidate for the kingdom of heaven, people needed to come and see. And so many came and saw Jesus. And a first encounter with him changed them. Changed them. One of the most dramatic changes happened in a time with a person whom I believe nobody ever could have been thinking that would change. It was the, the thief on the cross. Amen. The thief on the cross saw him and listened to one short prayer here and there. And that encounter with Jesus in the most unusual circumstance still had power to change the thief and make him an heir of the kingdom of God. All of us need to see Jesus. If, if you remember, this is a need in our 
our fabric, the fabric of our being. The, the Greeks came just a little bit before Jesus was, was about to die. And they went to one of the, 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 the apostles. And they ended up to Andrew. And to him or to Philip, the Greeks said, Lord, sir, would you like to see Jesus? Would you like to see Jesus? Nicodemus came to see Jesus. What happened? He was changed. The Roman centurion, the Roman soldier, who didn't have any connection with God. On the contrary, that was a rude man, a criminal. He liked to kill. He liked to make people suffer. Heard, saw, heard, saw. Saw him, heard him, saw him, heard him. And when Jesus died, what did the centurion say? This truly was the Son of God. Mary Magdalene, the prostitute of Jerusalem, with a lot of demons in her body, in her mind, in her life, saw him. And Mary became a wonderful disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I don't need to go further. I believe you are here today because at one time in your life, you saw him. Saw him in the Bible, saw him in the life of a man or a woman of God, saw him in nature, saw him when he solved your problem. You lost your mom, you lost your father, you lost your dear one, a tragedy would strike you and you didn't give up because somehow he saw you and you saw him. But that's the first level, my friends. And most of the Christians today are at this level. They come, they sit down to see, to hear. That's a good level because, as we have seen, has such a potential. But Jesus didn't keep them over there. Because if you are only a spectator and you are not a player in God's Kingdom, after a while, you might get bored. You might not see Jesus in Pastor Greg or another pastor. Even though if Pastor Greg has a responsibility and come back to preach to him, he must, he must, he must reflect the character of Christ. And owe to him if he doesn't. You remember that old story? The pastor came to the church and he found a little, a little note on his pulpit. Sir, we'd like to see Jesus. And he was trembling. And he prayed, Lord, I mean, do something. I mean, I, I cannot reflect you by my own wisdom and power. And he prayed and he cried to the Lord. And he came and preached the, the, the message. And next time, he found the note, Sir, we have seen Jesus. I mean, that's a must. Not only for Pastor Greg, for every Christian who took the name of Christ in his life or her life. But that can make us spectators. The second, Jesus says, follow me. Mark 1 verse 17. That's 
the active part. Then Jesus said to them, follow me and I'll make you become fishers of men. Hey, it's one thing to sit down, see and listen. After a while, after a while if you don't do anything, believe me, yeah, and Christianity loses power, loses significance, loses meaning. So Jesus established another level of discipleship. Follow me. That means you move from one place to another. That means you see the master doing something here, teaching here, performing a miracle here. You practically, you, you are at the end of your, your day, at the end of your life, and you are still, you even move to, want to move a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. Because you learn that. You practice that. Friends, this is the level where we begin to live the Christian life. And this is the level where, as a pastor, I would like to take you as much as the Holy Spirit is making me able. This is the level which I believe is missing from most of the Christianity and most of the, maybe even most of our own members. In, in Revelation chapter 14, it is written, Revelation 7, it is written, they follow the Lamb wherever he goes. Friends, this is a real relationship with Christ. Jesus is present. Look. Jesus is present in your life. Jesus is your friend. It is your teacher, your master, your king, your creator, your redeemer, your life, your truth, your way. Jesus is everything. It is here where the process of uh, discipleship begins. And you see, if we go back to the verse, let's go back to, to Mark. Let's go back to Mark, to the previous verse. He makes us... Uh, when we follow him, is not a, how to say, a mystic, a mystic uh, following. It's not in our imagination. It's not a romantic following of Jesus. It is a practical following of Jesus. You become practically like the master. In the process of following him, we become like him. Let's go to the third, the third verse, the third chapter of the of the presentation. To be with him. Now, you may have followed Jesus from time to time. But this passage is telling us that there is something more 
than following him to different activities from time to time. This is what makes you to live the life of Christ. Let's see the verse. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sickness and to cast out demons. Let's go to verse 14. Verse 14. That he, that they might be with him. This is the, the part we are interested in. Friends, you have a new baby. How, how much do you want that baby to be with you? How much do you want to be with that baby? Even the kids you have now, you like to be with them all the time. You love them. You want to protect them. You want the best for them. Christ wants to be with us all the time. And a true Christian, a true follower of Christ, wants to be with his Redeemer all the time. Remember when that uh, demon-possessed person was delivered in uh, Decapole? Jesus delivered him. The, the evil spirits were driven away. And the man was happy, was a new creature now. And what wanted the man to do? To follow Jesus. Now, Jesus had a mission immediately for him. He said, go to your home, go to your house, and tell them everything the Lord has done for you. Every true Christian would like to remain with his master. I would not like to live without God, not even, not even for a second, because the devils are around, because temptations are around, because tragedies and calamities are around. Because wickedness is around. Because Sodom and Gomorrah is around. I don't want and we must never remain without the presence of Jesus. But in this passage and others which can be added, Jesus is making you a preacher of the gospel. Jesus is living in you the power to heal. Jesus is living in you the life in which you bring others to him. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. So the first step, let me go back. The first step, come and see him. And praise God, every morning, every morning we do that. We must do that. And coming to church it is practically doing that. But it's not enough. The second is to follow him. He is the leader. He is the shepherd. He goes ahead of us. And the sheep must follow the shepherd. Otherwise, they are destined to death. But the third part, my friends, is to be with him. To be with him. Now, when that fellowship takes place, Everything written in the Bible can happen 
I, I, I mean the great things can happen in our lives. There is no limit for your usefulness. There is no limit for my usefulness. When we put self aside and we give the heart to the Holy Spirit, there is no limit the Holy Spirit will do in us, through us, things which we see he had done in the old times. But this requires a radical change, a shift. They, they call the great minds of this time called uh, paradigm shift. You change, you change the perspective. You change everything. Now, what is the main mission of a faithful servant? What does Paul say in Ephesians chapter 5? What did Jesus do with his church? To prepare this church and present it before the Father? How? Holy? Undefiled? No wrinkles? No nothing? Perfect! The mission of a faithful servant is to prepare others to be part of the triumphant church, to be part of that group of people who will be saved at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if every Christian has somehow this mission, God-given mission, to prepare others, to be a blessing to others, Pastor Greg must have it more than you have it. I want to change the paradigm. Not that I didn't know about it. Not that I learned it today or yesterday or this week. But I believe it is very easy for us to come and see. It is not very difficult to follow from time to time, to do something which you have not done, but to become, to be with him, and to remain with him, is a change, a radical change in your lifestyle. Because that means that eventually it is not you who live, but it is Christ who lives in you. I have been crucified with Christ and live, yet not I, says Paul, but Jesus is living in me. That's a reality. When he writes to the, the Corinthians, he said, when I came to you, I didn't want to, we don't go further, leave it as it was. As, as, as I came to you, I didn't come to present anything else but Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he said, I didn't come with intelligence, great words, you know, you learn from the, you, but with the power of the Holy Spirit so that you realize that it is not a man who has changed you, but it is God through Christ, through the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Word. Friends, give me a little attention, please. I'm getting towards the end. This is what I 
I have learned and I feel is my mission. To prepare you for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as a man, as a human being, I cannot prepare you. But I must be involved in this mission. I must be God's instrument in doing that. I must be a facilitator somehow. I must be one who says, Brother Campbell, there is a better way. Try this way. And friends, there are three main things as a pastor and as a real Christian we must do for others. First, first, is to teach people to have a real communion with God. You may know the Bible. You may know the prophecies. You may even have the power to heal and do some miracles from time to time. But if you do not maintain a constant communion with the Lord, you will end up in the wrong place. We all need to learn. Pastor Greg needs to learn more and more and more and more how to be with the Lord. This is the last part. How to be with the Lord every moment. Did I get your attention? Second, my responsibility is to help you, is to teach you how to make the Word of God the most wonderful, 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 and wonderful reality in your life. You may pray all day long, but if you do not tap into the Word, if you do not connect to, to the Word, if you do not come and open your mind to the Word of God, you might forget about prayer. You understand? Those of you who have the habit of praying minutes and hours, that's good. I appreciate But make room for the Word too. Make room for the Word of God. And the best, no matter what, what job I have, the best of the best is early in the morning. Your responsibility to others is the same. Believe me. You are a, a teacher of righteousness. And you teach others how to feed themselves upon the word of God. Because when you do that, they in turn will teach others. And the third, my friends, the responsibility I feel I have is to help you, to teach you, even though I don't want to use the word teach because that means you are my students. I regard you as my equals, don't worry. But that's, the word has significance. How to bring a soul to Christ. People who only pray, they might not, they might forget about the word of God and might never do Anything connected to come and see him or follow him. 
people who only study the word of God without prayer, they, after a while, might not find the word interested because the human mind is not capable to understand the profound thoughts of God. People who pray and study the word of God, the true sign that they are doing okay is when they bring somebody to the Lord. If I'm not doing that, my friends, the question mark, if you are not doing that, something is not done well before. We want an evangelistic crusade. I agree, and we pray, and I believe in evangelism. In fact, don't tell anybody. I would like the many more years, if the Lord gives me, to be in evangelism. Because I believe it, that's the need. That's the need. And as I believe in evangelism, I believe that true evangelism is when every member of the church, by nature somehow, by default now, is in the business of the Father bringing somebody to Christ. So these are, this is a threefold responsibility. <clears throat> you take it for yourself because in turn you need to teach others to pray. You need to teach others to use the word, word of God properly. And you need to teach others how to bring a soul to Jesus. <clears throat> I can read from this book, which is entitled... Uh, uh, sharing Jesus is everything, a story. This elder in the church, he is loved, much, much loved by every member. He has a, a good family. He is elder for so many years. He is faithful in everything. He is involved in activities. But, he got to a point where he became very, very, he was not interested like before in Bible study, in prayer life. He would learn, he would study the lesson on Friday evening because Sabbath, he needed to teach the class. And he, he was scared of, of himself. He had never experienced that before. It was like, his first love was vanishing. So he wrote to the man of God. And he said, I'm doing this. I'm involved in the life of the church. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I'm a teacher. I'm an elder. But when I go to bed in the evening, I'm not happy. And listen to this, friends. And we will learn in the Sabbath to come. When God is asking us to do something, it's not that he needs us. We need to do what he's asking us to do. We need, we need, we need to do everything he's asking us. It might appear that we do something for the Lord or for the church. In reality, we do for ourselves. This man was unhappy. He was not an adulteress. He didn't drink. He didn't do anything to make the heart, you know, ah, Lord, what will happen with me? No. And as he would write to the pastor, 
his profile, the pastor said, I observe, practically it was missing only one thing in his life. I didn't see in his description anything about giving a Bible study to anybody or bringing somebody to church. So he said, I hope you don't mind. I'm opening my heart to you. I believe this is the cause. Because when God gave us this mission, it was for us, for our happiness, for our, our everlasting life. He sent a letter. The elder didn't even reply. So the pastor was thinking, man, I think I touched something over there and he's not happy. But after some months, there was a big congress and they met. And the elder came to him and said, do you know somebody who wrote your letter some months ago? And so, 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 so he identified himself. He said, yeah, I remember. He had a happy face. He had peace. He had pastor. Listen to, to this, my friends. He had pastor, what a wisdom the Lord has given you when you wrote that letter to me. I'm so happy. So far this year, I brought by the grace of God two souls in the church. They are better. I brought, the, and I'm involved in doing something other, other things for other people. He said, "I feel my first love is back. I, I, I have, I'm, I have happy. I'm happy. I go to bed. I don't have that. That, what is missing? What's, what's wrong with me?" How are you? How do you feel in the church of God? How happy are you? This is what every Christian needs daily. Communion with God, but friends to another level. Not good morning and good night, Lord. No, no, no. Communion with God, and we must learn it because that's the first, 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 first foundation. Second, to take the Bible seriously. And when we read, to hear the voice of God. To see the face of Jesus. To feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And third, to learn how to be God's ambassador in this world. To bring a soul to him. This is what Pastor Greg. Has decided. That by the grace of God. He will do for the next. Week. Or month. Or years. If the Lord gives me more years here. But friends. That requires. Your help too. So. Give me another three minutes please. I will leave this for the elders. When I finish, I will wait outside. I believe that if we do not have an ongoing program in which all these three things are part of the program, I believe that we forget after a little while what we just spoke this morning. I believe that it requires Perseverance requires to be constant 
and requires a spirit of sacrifice, requires time. Pastor Greg would like to give his soul to the Lord and say, Lord, use me in any way you want so that these three main requirements, which are part of my job description to you, teaching your church, your people to pray, to have communion with you, teaching them how to make the word of God the most beautiful in the world, and teaching them how to bring a soul to Christ. Use me, Lord. Use me. One of the things which I believe we need is that Pastor Greg, at least for a while, is present with you every Sabbath. Amen. So that we learn something this Sabbath, and it will be a learning process. We learn something this Sabbath, we do during the week. And we have a way of helping ourselves doing it. We have a friend who prays with us. We have an elder who will give us a call. And we come next Sabbath and we, we tell each other what have we done regarding the first assignment. And now we move to the next step. And I've been thinking and thinking and thinking. You see, for a while, I have invited you to come Friday evening. We, I brought materials. Believe me, there are few churches in the world who have so many good materials like our church. They are ready to be eaten up. I have books. They are, already, they are paid, even paid. But this Sabbath and two Sabbaths from now, and you lose, you lose, you know, it's like there is no continuity. And after a while, you feel like when to do it. So this is what I'm, I've been thinking. And you will decide. We may try for a month. We may try for three months. To have the divine service beginning at 9.30. Like 9.30, we begin the divine service. 15 minutes, 10 minutes to 11, we finish the divine service. 11 o'clock, you begin the Sabbath school. 12.30, you may finish everything, even, even earlier than now. Look, when I begin to preach in our church here, it's almost always 12 o'clock. And I see I, I would be tired. I'll be there because three hours, stay, stay, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down, sit down. I mean, I might, I might pinch myself, you know, to no matter who is, who is preaching. Uh, in this way, we don't take anything from anything. We try. We make a change. I can begin a program in which those three things, I'm telling you this I must do. And you help me to do that. And you try to do together. The program will include deep devotional life. Deep, deep, deep. Will include deep studying the word of God. Will include learning an assignment how to bring a soul to Christ. I will have one of the elders 
leading you in a discussion when we finish everything. I, I was to the point of tears. You understand? I, I shed tears this week. Honestly, I believe this is the end of the time. And I believe that if we, if we go like by, through motions, I, must be, I might be lost and some of you might be lost. I mean, on that day, the Lord would ask me and would ask you in turn, you will have the same mission for others. Did you teach my people to have communion with me? Did you teach my people how to make the word of God real in their life? Did you teach my people how to bring a soul to Christ? Friends, if we do these three things, everything will change in our lives. And I'll tell you story upon stories, real stories, of miracles of God as an answer to prayer, to use the word of God, and to bring somebody to Jesus. Shall we pray? What is the, the song for this? Uh, I would like the, the praise team to help us to sing the song. And at the end, we'll have a special prayer. Oh, by the way, you may, you may be here. Put, the, please, the last slide. There is something it will mark your, 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 your heart. The last slide of the presentation I had. Uh, this is in the middle, I believe. Okay, I'll go. Okay, please pay attention to this. Nothing was ever achieved, says a, a great writer, a Christian. Nothing was ever achieved without discipline. And many athletes and many a man has been ruined because he abandoned discipline and let himself grow slack. Coleridge is a supreme tragedy of discipline. Of indiscipline. This is a, a, a person who lived in, in London. Never did so great a mind produce so little. He left Cambridge University to join the army, but left the army because, in spite of all his erudition, he could not rub down a horse. He returned to Oxford and left without a degree. He began a paper called The Watchman, which lived for ten numbers and then died. It has been said of him, he lost himself in visions of work to be done that always remained to be done. Coleridge had every poetic gift, but one, the gift of sustained and concerted effort. In his head, in his mind, he had all kinds of books, as he said himself, completed save for transcription. I'm on if, he says, of sending to the press two octave volumes. But the books were never composed outside of college mind because you would not face the discipline of sitting down to write them out. And now the conclusion. No one ever reached any eminence and no one having reached it ever maintained it without discipline. Saving grace, no church has ever reached that high level without a program of discipleship in which every member knows how to pray, knows how to make the word of God uh, real, and knows how to bring a soul to Christ. Amen. So this is my call to you this morning. And after we sing the song, 
those of you who feel the need of a special consecration, you may come up for, uh, uh, forward to pray together. My beloved brethren, I believe that in the life of a real Christian, of a real disciple of Christ, one of the signs is souls brought to the Savior. We have not grown, have not grown, and that's a lack. Maybe because we have not learned to have a deep and constant devotional life. Maybe we have not learned to make the Bible all to us. Maybe these two are first missing. Whatever is there, I feel the need for a special consecration to ask forgiveness to our Heavenly Father and beg Him to do something radical with us and in our lives. So those of you who, who, who uh, entertain the same thought and spirit I have, you may come forward, we may kneel before the Lord, we may give our lives to Him, and we may expect something great. I cannot do, but I believe He can. I believe He can. Heavenly Father, we come before you this Sabbath day with thanksgiving in our hearts, Lord, for your eternal grace, for your patience with us. For all these years, you have invited us to come closer and closer to you. You have tried, Lord, to make us real disciples of Christ. You have taught us what to do in order to live a happy life as we check, as we analyze our lives, we don't see, Lord, too much fruit. We don't see those beautiful signs of radical and fervent Christianity. Therefore, we like to have a moment of repentance before you, Father. Forgive us, Lord. Yes, this life is very busy. I know your people, they are struggling, Lord, to make the ends meet. They are surviving. We are surviving in the surviving mood sometimes. But Father, the energies and the time are not given by you to spend them all for this temporary life. They are given to prepare us for the eternal life. The coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is just around the corner. The signs are, are shouting to us. We are not prepared, Father. And we pray in the name of Jesus for your spirit into our lives so that we will prepare daily, Sabbath after Sabbath, and we'll have something given by you to do every day of the week to apply like a, like a disciple who is taught by God and to come at the end of the week, the next Sabbath, with a new experience to share, with a new joy 
we pray lord that you extend your grace upon this saving grace church and you inspire us how what changes to make what book to take how to pray how to study the word of god and how to have that motivation to sacrifice of our time and energies to bring another soul to jesus you know lord what is in my heart you know my conversations with you and you know my disappointments one day you will ask us what have we done and you will ask each and every one of us have we learned to really walk with you have we learned to take your word of god the word of god seriously and to make it the power of our lives and have we sacrificed of our time and energies to share jesus to another friend another soul have we prepared the people of god and our friends and our family members to meet jesus we beg you for your spirit because lord we will never be able to do these things even though they are not difficult they are not difficult there are people out there in the world they they do 1 billion times more difficult things than this but even though they are not difficult because we deal with our humanity our habits our lifestyle lord lord is impossible for us to do otherwise than the way we have done it so we beg you for your spirit lord we beg you for your spirit i pray you inspire your people if what i suggested it is something you can bless may they accept it lord may we try may we try may we try so that you may bless us father as we cooperate with you i'm saying in the prayer so that people will know that all these things they don't save us it is jesus who saves us but without them we cannot remain saved we lose our salvation there is no salvation walking off and on with jesus we must learn to walk with him every single second there is no salvation outside of the word of god we must become a living word in this world there is no salvation no preservation what you have given us without the joy of sharing the gospel with others and bringing them to your feet so as we pray for this we understand they don't save us but we also understand that without them we are lost oh lord bless us i beg you may when we finish our cooperation here in this place may when we need to depart from each other may we all have realized that the lord has done great things in our life in our church that we have become a living church that we bring souls to jesus that we know the word of god that we know how to walk with the lord that we practically we live 
part of the heaven here on earth. May this happen with us, Lord. And whatever comes from the world, from the evil one, from the sinful nature, keep it away, Father. And may we become real disciples of Christ. Because we pray in his holy name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting savinggracesda.org.